And nature is very much part of who we are. We're, we are part of nature. We're not sort of at the top of it. We're not separate to it. And we've got to welcome it back in to make sure that we find a, a more habitable way of living on the planet. Hello, I'm Carol Annett from Country and Townhouse magazine. Welcome to the House Guest podcast, where I chat with experts from the world of interior design and decoration, the people behind the houses, hotels, shops and brands you see in glossy magazines like ours. And if you're doing up your own home, hopefully you'll pick up some tips for yourself. Today, I'm talking to Oliver Heath of Oliver Heath Design, who specialise in creating more productive, happier and healthier spaces to live and work in by improving human connection to nature. Welcome, Oliver. Thank you very, very much for joining me. And you are uh, involved with Planted, which is the contemporary design show, which is happening September 23 to 26. First of all, I know I'm guilty of this, but biophilic design, we sort of, you know, it's very easy to use the word biophilia. What does it actually mean? Well, it actually means and a love of nature. It's a term that was kind of popularised in the 1980s by a sociobiologist called Edward O. Wilson, who realised society's departure from nature and intercity centres, and there are many physiological and psychological problems that came about as a result. So they developed this term that was basically sort of described why we like being in nature, why we kind of head to the beaches, the mountains, the forests when we choose to go away, and started to investigate why it makes you feel good. Now, this idea was kind of picked up by uh, one of the godfathers of biophilic design, whose name is Stephen Kellett, who developed into what we call a series of design patterns, which are different elements that you can bring into the built environment. So it might be on an urban scale, a neighbourhood scale, a street scale, or architectural or interior scale, uh, investigating the many ways that we can bring nature in. And some of that is about real forms of nature, like plants and trees and natural light. Other elements are those that mimic nature, things like natural colours, materials, textures and patterns. And other aspects are what we call the human spatial response of how we create spaces that are exciting and stimulating, but also calming, relaxing and restorative. And this idea of prospect and retreat, this sort of innate desire to be kind of looking out over landscapes or spaces without necessarily being seen and and spaces being very sort of calming and recuperative. So... You are an interior designer who, you know, if I came to you as a residential client, you would be looking at creating a space for me where the emphasis was on connecting back to nature. I mean, I'm looking at you now, you're surrounded by pot plants. (laughs) Is it in a residential environment? How does that manifest itself other than putting in lots of lovely pot plants? Well, like I say, there are lots of ways. I actually have an architectural background, so I tend to think from a slightly sort of larger scale a lot of my work is known as being more interiors focused but essentially that there are lots of ways I mean when we think about strengthening that human connection to nature it might be about thinking uh, about how we, we bring in the visual elements of nature so it might be about plants in your space or about enhancing views out onto nature the positioning of furniture keeping windows clean making sure that you've got something to look out onto it might be about all those other senses that you've got thinking about the way the space sounds, the way it smells, the haptic quality, you know, the the, the sense of touch. It might be about our connection to water, natural light, all those slow changes throughout the 
that we see throughout the year. Um, it might also be about the many materials and colors that we choose for our homes. How do we create more naturalized settings? So of course, there are lots of color theories out there, but we use one called the ecological valence theory that suggests we react very well to colors that we previously had positive experiences of. So for many of us, those positive experiences have been those found in nature. So ecological valence theory suggests that when we see certain colors, they elicit uh, a similar response. So blue reminds us of cool, calm pools of water, very calm and relaxing. Greens are a little bit more invigorating and energizing and stimulating. They remind us of the, the fresh shoots of spring. Whereas sort of yellows remind us of the warmth of summer sunshine when we get it, the ripe summer crops. And oranges and yellows uh, and, and reds are also quite stimulating as well. They remind us of ripe fruits and berries. So that's quite a nice example of how we can mimic or evoke a feeling of nature using natural colors. But of course, there are also things like uh, biometric design and biomorphic design, which mimics the shape of trees. And that idea that when we step into nature, we're stepping into quite rich multi-sensory environments that have lots of visual texture. So in a way, it's a little bit like thinking about our evolutionary sort of ethos of, of you know, the inputs that we had when we were living in closer connection to nature and finding new ways of bringing them in in a sophisticated and appropriate way. And are a lot of those decisions made in a subconscious way? Is it about recognizing how to make more of those decisions or understanding why you're drawn to certain colors? Well, I mean, I think inherently a lot of good designers already know that elements of nature improve one's experience of space. And that's not necessarily just in our homes. It might be in our hospitals, in our schools, in our workplaces, in the many different spaces that we inhabit. And what's interesting about biophilic design is it's what we call an evidence-based approach. So it's not just a sort of like, oh, you know, what's the latest trend right now? Well, I'm looking on Instagram and I'm seeing it's, you know, this or this. It's actually about looking at the work of environmental psychologists that are undertaking studies that are demonstrating the value of bringing in that element of nature. And for me, that's what's so fascinating and so compelling. Actually, that when we bring elements of nature in, as the studies have shown, it can improve productivity in workplaces by 6%. It can improve test results by, in schools by between 6 and 21%. It can reduce the rates of, of recuperation, quite a significant amount. It can reduce the need for uh, pain care medication in hospitals. You know, there are so many different sort of studies that demonstrate the value of bringing nature in. But actually, why look towards trends when there's evidence out there? There's a really nice saying that says, without evidence, you're just another person with an opinion. <laughs> so, of course, we're all people with an opinion, but you need to have some sort of wider base in order to engage people and demonstrate the real value of what it is that we can do as a design community to create better, healthier, happier, more restorative environments. Here, here, don't we just all need that more than anything at this particular time? Um, Oliver, how did you first get involved? What's your background? I have a background in architecture. So I studied architecture um, at UCL, the School of Architecture. I then went into exhibition design and set design, worked on the likes of the Millennium Dome, the National Maritime Museum. And then um, in 1998, I, I won a competition on television and started working on television. And at that point, I decided there was no point just being on television for the sake of it, but that I should have a mission. And for me, that mission was all about the impact that we were having on the planet and, and trying to promote sustainability. So I, I spent a lot of my years 
and probably on the cutting room floor, trying to promote the ideas of insulation, of reduction of energy use of water, or of creating healthier environments with lower toxins. And that message kind of continued, you know, how do we create spaces that are better for you, not just better for the planet? And I thought that design was a really kind of strong and powerful medium, you know, it really does have the, the power to shift and change emotions. And if it's, if it's that powerful at all, why can't we change people's relationship, not just with the planet, but also the space that they live in and create better environments for both. So that was really, really important. And so I've written several books. Uh, the most recent one actually was about called Design a Healthy Home, which is all about how we design healthier, happier spaces. But the way I got into biophilic design was essentially that I was researching this idea of how we create happier spaces. And I stumbled upon the work of Stephen Kellett. Uh, and then I was working on a TV show, DIY SOS. And I thought, well, this is the perfect opportunity to, to demonstrate the value of that, that human connection to nature uh, with a particular kind of uh, la uh, lady who had Clippers disease. And she was a keen gardener. She was struck down with, with Clippers disease. So she couldn't move. So what we did was... You'll have to explain, Cliff. It sounds absolutely ghastly. Oh, oh basically, uh, she lost sensation in her feet and arms. And so she was became bedridden. So she retired, but then she was bedridden. And the house that she was living in, in Sunderland, wasn't really able to cope. So what we did was we, uh, as a result, she was living in her kitchen. So we built her an extension and we built, you know, great big floor to ceiling windows. Uh, we put skylights in to maximize natural light. We, we extended the garden outside so there was movement in the garden. There was lots of natural light. We had plants that attracted bees and insects. There were lots of natural colors and patterns and textures. And so there were a number of ways that allowed her to reconnect with the element that she loves so much. And, and it was really wonderful to see it. So that was about 10 years ago. And since that point, I've just thought, you know, this is it, you know, why, why invest your time in any other aspect of design than, than design that has the ability to restore both people and planet? You know, what better mission? Yeah, absolutely. And tell me how you got involved with Planted. So this is its second year, but last year was virtual. So very exciting that it's all going to be, um, it would be able to come and visit and it's in and around King's Cross. Tell us a little bit about your involvement. Yes, yeah, so I'm delighted to be part of Planted. I've been working with the team for about two years now. Last year was supposed to be the first year, but obviously like many other events, um, we, we were kind of rather limited to what we could offer. So we had a speaker program. This year we've managed to do a live event and essentially Planted is all about how we reconnect spaces with nature. And there are three key pillars. It's about sustainable design. It's about urban greening and human well-being. How we pull all of those ideas together under the kind of banner of design and think about the opportunities that exist to us and how we can reconnect with nature to act in a more responsible way as a design profession. And it does really kind of take that idea of all different facets of our life and look at it from, you know, that, that urban design scale right through to the architecture of our cities the kind of the periphery of buildings, but also how we bring it into the design of our interior spaces, but also into our lifestyles. And it's a zero waste trade show. Uh, explain yeah. that to me. Well, as you know, as you may know, uh, many exhibitions are enormously wasteful. You know, they're very quick to install. You know, things get shipped in, wrapped in plastic, and then the, the stands are built very quickly. Everything gets sort of swept one side into the bins. And the show opens for three or four days. And then they rip it all up 
They rip up the carpets, they rip up the stand, they chuck it all in massive skips, they go home, job done. And how can we actually, how can we deliver a sustainable, forward-thinking, you know, regenerative exhibition like Planted with an ethos like that? So our intention is that we have zero waste going to landfill. And it's a commitment that we are sort of putting on to our core partners, to our exhibitors in every aspect that we do. Because we think, you know, if this is what we're kind of trying to tell people to do, we should be trying to do it ourselves. And am I right in thinking that you're based in Brighton? I am. Is there a, a need for you to be by the sea and be, you know, somewhere that you can kind of quickly get back to nature and kind of feed your soul? Yeah, I think so. I think there's, I mean, I spent many years living and working in London. I studied architecture in the middle of London. I lived in Brick Lane um, and about 15 or 16 years ago, uh, I decided to make my way back to Brighton because I was born here. I spent, you know, most of my childhood here growing up by the sea and in the South Downs. Uh, I was a windsurfing instructor whilst I was also learning and studying architecture. And so, you know, in a way, my whole ethos came from that, that idea of fusing my love and passion for being in and around nature with this idea of the built environment, combining these two to create uh, a better, more enjoyable sort of built environment. So, you know, it was sort of fundamental to me. And even now, as I've got children, um, making sure that they have a strong connection to sort of natural systems is really important, that I can take them to the sea, that they can enjoy, enjoy it and learn how to respect it because, you know, it is dangerous. Make sure that we don't waste, but also ensure that they get up into the downs and into the forests and, and enjoy everything that we can from this kind of one place. Whilst also recognizing, you know, cities are fantastic and probably going to be fundamental to, to humans, you know, into the future. You know, by 2050, 60% of the whole world's population will be urbanized. So I think it's sort of important for my children to have an experience of living in an urban environment, albeit with a recognition of, of the role that nature has to play in creating a happy and healthier upbringing. So, so do you think it's, it, it's inevitable that we will have greener cities, more rewilding, you know, that, that we're definitely on a forward footing for all that to actually happen. Absolutely. I mean, we're seeing it happening in all different ways all over the world um, for lots of different reasons. Uh, you know, in, in America, the, the system is a little bit more litigious. So we're seeing the introduction of plants and greenery as a means to reduce stress and uh, aid and recuperation and prevent absenteeism, um, but also to make sure that people sort of don't burn out, which of course becomes a litigious issue. In some forest nations around the world, they're, they're bringing those forests and those elements of nature back in. So countries like sort of Denmark and Norway and Japan. And then there are kind of uh, environments like Singapore, where all the conditions and the political conditions have sort of, uh, sort of focused on bringing nature into the city. I think they now call themselves a, a sort of a city in a forest. Uh, so there are many different ways that, that elements of nature are being brought back in and it is happening across those different scales from the kind of urban planning right through to architecture and interiors in all sorts of different ways. So there is an incredible movement towards that sense of bringing nature in, of welcoming that sense of biodiversity in as a means to improve cities. You know, when we bring trees into cities, it reduces the urban heat island effect. So it makes cities cooler. It, it prevents flooding by preventing kind of, you know, water going into kind of gullies and drains. Um, it, it can remove toxins from the air. It can improve our microbiomes in our stomachs. It increases that biodiversity. So we have pollination from flies and wasps and, and bees. I mean, there are so many benefits 
to the natural world and to our built environment from bringing that sense of nature back in. It makes complete sense. You know, we shouldn't just have this sort of, you know, buildings and nature. We've got to find ways of infusing it and, and realize that, you know, nature is very much part of who we are. We're, we are part of nature. We're not sort of at the top of it. We're not separate to it. And we've got to welcome it back in to make sure that we find a, a more habitable way of living on the planet. Yeah. Um, I was interested, Deborah Spencer, who's one of the co-founders of Planted, she said, we need to consider the environment in every decision we make. And that's basically what it boils down to, isn't it? It's every single decision. Yes, we, see, we, we absolutely need to be accounting for how we build and what we build and the longevity, how it locks in carbon. We need to be taking a much more circular systems thinking approach and making sure that we're not just sort of creating materials and products, using them, and then getting rid of them and chucking the hole in the ground, but make sure that we think about that systems and make sure we keep materials and products in a loop of usefulness. So we have got to completely rethink the way we create buildings and cities uh, and, and build as if we're, we're thinking about the future. And can you tell us about any of the projects that Oliver Heath Design is working on at the moment, other than Planted, obviously? Well, plants take up lots of time, that's for sure. Um, but we're, we're also working on a rewilding project up in Broughton Hall uh, in Yorkshire. So, so up there, we're looking at uh, creating some co-working spaces and thinking about how people in those co-working spaces can reconnect with the beautiful nature that's in the surrounding environment. Uh, we're working on separate office, reworking uh, our, our co-working spaces in Yorkshire. We've been writing books. We've, been, we've got an online course that we've just launched called Biophilic Design in the Home. And so there's kind of quite a variety of different things, both kind of knowledge-based that allows people to access this idea of biophilic design, but also we've been looking at how we implement it into the built environment. And in your own home, uh, do you follow the rules that, that you've been writing about? Can you tell us a little bit about how you live or any sort of quick tips on things that we can do to, to make a simple difference? Yeah, so I, so I live in a, a 1960s house that I bought and then refurbished completely. When we first bought the house, it had a carbon footprint of 10.9 uh, tonnes of CO2 per year, which is pretty massive. We've now cut it down to under 2.8 tonnes per, per year, so it's a, it's a dramatic reduction in CO2. So by doing that, well, what we did was we basically kind of insulated the building, we, we sealed up all the gaps, we put new windows in, we insulated the, the, the walls, the loft, the floor. We put in uh, photovoltaic panels on the roof that we now charge our electric car from. So literally our house is a power station. Okay. And then inside the house, you know, we put new water systems to reduce the amount of water we use, low energy lighting and electrical systems. It's just kind of one thing after another, you know, and the point is, is that I want my family to, to live happily without having to think about the sustainable requirements in every action. You know. They know that when they put their foot on the foot pedal tap and the water comes out, that they're, they're using the water, but as soon as they step away from it, the tap goes off. So there are lots of little simple things that allow them to live in a more sustainable way. So there is that kind of, that way of thinking in a quite a carbon-centered way about how we reduce the use of basic resources we use in our home. But the flip side of that is also this more human-centered element, making sure that there's lots of natural light in the home, there's lots of natural textures, you know, the use of timber and walls has been proven to reduce heart rates by 8,600 beats per day in school children when, when used on classrooms. So actually our use of materials can have a very tangible physiological effect on us and some benefit. 
So, you know, we've thought about so many different things and it is about you know, combining both that kind of sustainable and human-centered element. Is there anything that you're particularly excited about with Planted? There's going to be lots going on. I'm in charge of the speaker program. We've got a fantastic lineup of speakers covering all sorts of different things. So we've got six talks going on. Uh, one, of, one of them is an introduction to biophilic design. We've got another on rewilding cities by ending our warm biodiversity. We've got one on toxic cities. So it's really looking at all the different kind of uh, pollution elements that we experience in cities, things like air quality, light pollution, acoustic pollution, and also kind of littering. Uh, and then on the second day, we've got a talk called Can Food Save the World? That's a kind of fascinating investigation on our relationship with food and just how shockingly broken it is. Um, then we've got one called The Age of Waste that investigates the recycling and reuse of materials. And the final one is called Making Materials Matter in a Circular World, where we've got kind of furniture manufacturers like Benchmark, uh, mattress manufacturers, Natural Mat, um, and then even a company called Ecologic Studio that specializes in the design of buildings with algae. So it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's, it's got this kind of like really kind of diverse speaker program that kind of reflects the whole ethos of Planted. So there's going to be, I think, lots and lots of ideas. I suspect there's going to be a few kind of like arguments and how best to do things. And um, so it's going to be quite a lively debate, which I'm, which I'm really looking forward to. Well, it sounds absolutely brilliant and I can't wait. Oliver, thank you so much for your time and for telling us all about Planted and I look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to House Guests from Country and Townhouse magazine with me, Carol Annett. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Carol W. Annett and keep up to date on all the podcast news and show notes online at countryandtownhouse.co.uk slash podcast.